everything's getting very bad in the world right now. I mean, we read all of this in the scriptures and the end is very soon and we need to buckle up for the ride. But dear listener, is that a fatalistic belief for you? Is the church weak? Good morning and welcome to God's resistance. God's resistance is local and in the Wilkes-Barre and Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded and you'll find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com. That's our central hub. And on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content that is on there. Um, and then if you want to meet with us in person, we are meeting inside of homes uh, throughout the winter here, and we hope to continue to do that uh, from here on out. And we will be back out on the public square in Wilkes-Barre when it gets a little warmer in the springtime. Uh, but you can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call or text at 570-362-7782 so that you can meet with us and uh, we can look in God's word together and encourage one another and provoke one another to love and to good works as we see the day approaching. Let's listen in on today's briefing. We're taking a little break here from uh, the doctrine of holiness that we've been looking at. We've been going through a series. I just feel that this particular truth that I'm going to share, and it may be broken up into about, I don't know, four or five separate um, pieces. I'm not quite sure yet. Um, but I want to speak about the kingdom of God. And the reason I want to, first of all, is I just believe this is what the Lord would have me to do. And secondly, we're in we're in some crazy times right now. I, I think every one of us would say things are not as they used to be. Things are unsettling. Things are not consistent. I go to the grocery store. There's not as many things out uh, for me to buy at the grocery store. Furthermore, the prices are going up. Things look so unstable. I'm losing my job. I know people who are passing away and dying. And what are we supposed to do? There's fear and men's hearts are failing them for fear uh, of what's coming upon them. And yet, if we have a proper biblical perspective, there is help for us to know how we navigate through this. So this uh, topic of the kingdom of God that I want to bring you through is immediately applicable to the situations that we're in. If we don't understand the kingdom of God, then we're going to have a lot of difficulties and Satan will triumph more and yet more and yet more. So you've heard the prevailing ideas that everything has been getting worse. The other thought is that everything will continue to get worse and there's nothing that we can do about it. However, if we were to go back and, and, and just pull back and take a bird's eye view of the church of Jesus Christ from its inception till this present day, we're going to get a little bit different of a picture. When we get narrow focus, we only see what's right in front of us, but it does us a lot of good if we just pull back and take a, a, a big bird's eye view over everything. So think about in the early church, 
Jesus had a lot of people following him. It whittled down to his 12 disciples. On the day of Pentecost, 120 were gathered in the upper room. They were a minority in the Roman Empire. But in about 200 years time, the Roman Empire accepted Christianity. All, 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 all the more accepting, they have somebody who claimed to be a Christian seated in the throne in Rome, which is the Emperor Constantine. And I'm not trying to go into whether or not he was really saved or not. I'm leaving that completely out of the picture. However, because Christianity had become such a, a force to be reckoned with, now instead of them going through these bloody persecutions as they had for the first century and beyond for a little while, now... Christianity is accepted. And as a result, some of the pagan idolatry and things were pushed down where they were previously accepted. It went from a small band of believers to an almost worldwide religion that you and I can see on this this day that we live in, almost 2,000 years uh, beyond the, the time of Christ when he was walking on earth. So we see a, a relatively small beginning into something that's major in our present day. Why did the world's population explode? We look at biblical times. There's estimations, depending on where you plant yourself in the in the Bible. There's estimations of uh, world population, and now um, because of the 20th century's uh, seeing of tremendous progress in science and the reduction in crime and diminishment of war, um, we see that the population has exploded. Homicides, um, and this is all from an article um, that I had got this from. So this is not original with me, uh, but homicides were uh, in the 1300s, 70 per 100,000. In the year 2010, it is three homicides per 100,000. And this is not just talking about America. This is pulled from several different places throughout the world. Sure, um, we're not ostriches with our head in the sand. There have been and there still are atrocious crimes against humanity uh, that have taken place throughout all history and they're taking place even right now. But we still have to look at the big picture because remember, the claim is that things are getting worse and worse and there's nothing we can do about it. In the pre-modern world, uh, the global average life expectancy was around 30 years. Uh, today, the average is 72 years. Um, so with many countries having an average life expectancy of 80 plus years, but if we go back in the 1950s, not a single uh, country had a life expectancy of 72 years or better. Even when you factor in such things as COVID, uh, the pandemic that we've been going through right now, it still has to be scaled against the Black Death, which killed uh, between 30 to 60% of the population of the infected regions. And unless 2 billion people die from COVID-19, we can't make the case by that that things are getting worse. Now, COVID-19 and what's going on and the effects that it's had on economies and, and all sorts of different uh, realms of where it touches, we can't ignore it and say that it's uh, not an issue. It is an issue, and but we need to look at the entire perspective. Uh, about 1977, I do want to tell you that I got this information from an article from BereanHoliness.com. Uh, I do want to say that I may not endorse everything that they say, but this article in and of itself was very helpful. Uh, about 1977, 62% uh, of countries were autocratic and 25% democratic. Now, 13% of countries are autocratic and 57% democratic. Things have been getting better in a lot of ways. As noted, um, there in 1776, church attendance in America was only around 17%, while weekly church attendance in America today is around 35%. Now, in the 1950s, it was 44%, and it has gone down. But still, in the bird's eye view, things have uh, gotten better in some respect. And the denominations that 
uh, are dying are the most liberal denominations. And they've denied the veracity of scripture uh, decades ago. And the larger conservative denominations and the conservative side of the non-denominational movement are growing notably faster than population growth. Uh, and it's conceded then that, um, you know, probably in the last 50 years, the church's cultural influence has tanked. And I think it's at large because of our view of the kingdom of God. And that's the argument that I want to make here. So we have to reckon with uh, these things that are in front of us, but also with the scriptures. So how is the kingdom of God spoken about in the New Testament? Well, the kingdom of God is said 70 times, that phrase 70 times in the New Testament, the kingdom of heaven 33 times. Then there's different types of phrases referring to the same thing. The kingdom of Christ, his kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, thy kingdom, the word of the kingdom, the kingdom, a kingdom, my kingdom, kingdom of his dear son, his heavenly kingdom, the everlasting kingdom, the kingdom of our God, the kingdom of their father or my father's kingdom. If we add up all of those different types of phrases speaking about the kingdom of God, it is referenced 142 times in the New Testament. So it must be a fairly important concept if it's given that much attention in the New Testament. There are different theories stating uh, what this kingdom of God is. Uh, and uh, largely at the dispensational uh, understanding, they try to make a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and there's all sorts of theories as to what each one is. I just want to tell you that the scriptures do not make a clear line of demarcation as some would like you to believe. These phrases are used interchangeably and Jesus himself should settle that question. In Matthew 19, 23 through 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So here we see him using kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, equating them as one and the same thing in in two or three sentences of him talking to someone. So Jesus forever settles it then. For me, at least, I don't know. Someone else may try and argue against that, but I don't believe that the scriptures teach such this clear distinction. It is all one kingdom and one concept he's trying to uh, help us to understand. So the prevailing idea of the kingdom in present-day evangelicalism is that the kingdom is, is more future than it is right now. But the question is, is that the true biblical teaching? You and I, if we are saved, if we've been born again, we are citizens of the kingdom of light right now. And you and I have a responsibility in this present evil age. So by the help of the Lord, I want to first just deal with what is this kingdom? What is this kingdom? And this may be as far as we get in this particular episode, but what is the kingdom? The kingdom first is spiritual. It's an unseen kingdom. Uh, but this unseen kingdom will eventually be seen without a veil, so to speak. We know in the end, all of this will be made plain sight. But right now, it is a spiritual and unseen kingdom. And that's only one part. I'm going to break it down and, and show you several different uh, definitions or glimpses into what this kingdom is according to the New Testament. So Luke 17, 20 through 21, uh, we read... When Jesus was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So an inward kingdom, an unseen kingdom. Matthew 6.33 
Jesus instructed the disciples or those who were listening, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So the kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And even, even here with Matthew 6, 33, it, it holds with it the idea of a unseen spiritual kingdom and also something more than that. But just trying to get you to understand a bit of that concept. In Matthew 13, verse 11, Jesus answers and says unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. He's speaking to his disciples. Uh, another parallel place in Mark 4, 11, and he said unto them, unto you it's given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. So Jesus was trying to convey the idea of a spiritual kingdom that is inward. And he's saying to the disciples, it's given to you to know the mystery. Everyone else that really doesn't have that hunger and thirst inside of their hearts is blinded by these parables and stories and doesn't understand the spiritual nature of this kingdom or even what how we're supposed to live in it. So this kingdom, according to this, is a now kingdom. And I want to delve into that so much more specifically at a later time. But this kingdom is a now kingdom that started at the time of Christ and shall last forever. We're answering the question right now, what is this kingdom? It's a spiritual kingdom, but it is a kingdom that started at the time of Christ and will last forever. So the kingdom is, is both invisible and visible. It's invisible in the hearts of believers. We read uh, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But it's also a visible kingdom in this present world. I'm not gonna be able to unpack this right now. We'll do this later, but... Uh, Tares and wheat are growing together in this kingdom, according to Jesus' explanation of that parable. Look it up yourself as well. Um, also, we realize that there's an ongoing war right now while saints and sinners are living on this earth. There is an ongoing war between two opposing kingdoms inside of one kingdom. So God is the ultimate sovereign over the kingdom. However, there is somebody within this kingdom that has their own kind of rogue kingdom in the middle of it all. We understand that to be Satan. That kingdom, we're told by the scripture, will be cleaned up, this mixture of saints and sinners. This kingdom will be cleaned up at the harvest when Jesus returns and forever formed in righteousness. This spiritual unseen kingdom culminates in the kingdom of glory. We read about a new heaven and earth, uh, which will be eternal by Second uh, Peter uh, 1.11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice that this is not speaking of a millennial kingdom, but an everlasting kingdom. A millennial kingdom has a beginning and an end, which is said to be a literal 1000 year reign on the earth. But this, what Jesus is talking about, and I'm not even trying to go into the millennial kingdom whatsoever. This kingdom Jesus is currently speaking of is a time where the kingdom has started and it will last forever. So this is not speaking of a millennial kingdom. It's speaking of something else. Matthew 26, 29 we read, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So it is a kingdom that starts now. And then we see glimpses of this kingdom uh, in the future at some point. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's resistance where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. Visit and like our social media accounts with Facebook, Twitter, 
Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube. Visit our website at www.godsresistance.com and contact us by email at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Picking up on this concept of the kingdom being an eternal kingdom, uh, we look in Luke 22, 29 through 30, and he says, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now he's talking to his apostles at this time. But this now kingdom, we are told, will be united and made into one eternal kingdom in glory. Now, this judging of the 12 tribes of Israel, it could be a very literal thing. It may be a symbolic thing. I have no idea. Um, but that's besides the point. We're looking at this kingdom starting and culminating in in this glory kingdom where it is unveiled. But the, the point is the kingdom is eternal. It, does, it doesn't stop. When we look in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, which lists off uh, a bunch of different sins and saying that these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, we realize that this kingdom is an inheritance by this. Uh, the kingdom is being presently built right now. It was being built at the time of Christ and it's still being built. But we're told that this kingdom will be judged at the last day. The kingdom will then be a pure kingdom that the saints will inherit in glory. First Thessalonians 2.12, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. So there's a worthiness to enter into the glorified, final, and unified kingdom. Second Timothy 4.18, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. So he's going to pre preserve me to this heavenly kingdom. The kingdom has started now. It is going on forever and ever and eternal. He's going to preserve it, uh, me for the time when it is set up permanently in righteousness. Then First uh, Corinthians 15, 24, we read, then cometh the end when he, that is Christ, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, the Father, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. So we realize this is speaking about the existence of a now kingdom, which is mediatorial, meaning that Christ is the mediator of this kingdom. He is up on, on the throne at the right hand of the Father. We're down here and we're told just by looking through this, that this kingdom is very much active right now. Jesus has the authority at this very moment, invests it into those that are his followers. And then he says that he will deliver the kingdom up to his father in putting down all rule and all power and authority where it is set up forever in a glorious unified kingdom that is pure. So this verse helps us to realize the kingdom exists now and it will be del delivered up to the father in the end. 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Uh, Barnes, the commentator says, the meaning is that at, this, at his second advent, the extent and majesty of his kingdom will be fully displayed. It will be seen that he has control over the elements, over the graves of the dead and over all the living. It will be seen that the earth and the heavens are under his sway and that all things there acknowledge him as their sovereign Lord. In order to meet the full force of the language used by Paul here, it is not necessary to suppose that he will set up a visible kingdom on earth, but only that there will be an illustrious display of himself as a king and of the extent and majesty of the empire over which he presides. 
Now, he's he's not saying that there wouldn't be a literal kingdom uh, on earth at some point in the future. He's just saying it's not necessary for that. The, the force of what's being said is that everyone will know. Where it may have been veiled to some before, it will not be veiled anymore. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5 or 1550. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption, showing us that the kingdom is now, it's a spiritual kingdom. Uh, Luke 1, 33 says, and he, Christ, shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Again, this is not speaking of a millennial kingdom because there's a beginning and end of that kingdom. This is a kingdom where it will be, there will be no end and Jesus will reign forever and ever. Praise God. There's also inside of this unseen kingdom principles that rule our hearts right now. So Matthew 18, 23, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. So we realize that there was an unforgiving servant at this point who is going to be taken into account uh, for what he, the stewardship of, of the resources of God's kingdom in this life, he's going to have to give an account to it. So that has direct bearing on how we live. There's many other parables having to do with the kingdom of God that show us these are principles of how we are to live in this kingdom. Also inside of this kingdom, we realize the kingdom is, is a church, is the church or the church is a part of it. Um, I do want to say, I'm not going to be able to deal with all of this at this present point. Uh, I think I will deal with this at a later time. Speaking about the, uh, the parable where Jesus is talking about the wheat and the tares that are growing together. It's somewhat hard for us to just say that the kingdom is just the church of Jesus Christ. It's just made up of believers because there's other scriptures that show us the kingdom from God's perspective is all of his existence that he's reigning over. Uh, but parts of his kingdom we realize is the church and the church is a special part of his kingdom because the church is the agent of light. The, the church is those that are invested with the authority that Christ has at the, at the right hand of the father and that display that in this world that you and I live in, which also is God's kingdom. Uh, Matthew 8, 11 through 12 Jesus said, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That helps us to realize that there is the children of this original kingdom, which was earthly Israel and Judah, according to Jesus speaking here. But there is a new kingdom that is going to then be the fulfillment of God's uh design and desires from the beginning. The new kingdom is the, the present kingdom of God now. The kingdom of heaven uh, is made up of Gentiles, according to Jesus' statement here, that are fellowshipping with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God is rejecting that earthly Israel, pushes them out of the way and says to them, there are Gentiles, there are people from other nations that are going to enter into this kingdom and they'll have fellowship with the very ones whom you exonerate. So it is a now kingdom and that kingdom is made up of the church and the church is made up of those that are saved. This kingdom also, as we're told through the scriptures, is a message. Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. So here we find the gospel of the kingdom. It is a message. Uh, Luke four forty three. 
And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. So he's preaching the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a message. A side note, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I, I think I need to because of how all this will fit together later. But Matthew 24, 14, where it says that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. It is interesting to note that that word world there is not cosmos, meaning the whole world, but it is another word uh, where we get the idea, uh, it's it's a derivative of oikos, which means fellowship or group or, or you know nations or something like that. So when he says that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, it is not necessarily speaking of the entire world in that passage, though there are many other passages that speak of that. In this passage, it is speaking properly more of the Roman empire, that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached throughout the Roman empire for a witness unto all the nations, and then shall the end of the Jewish state uh, come. That's uh, the context of Matthew 24. You don't have to agree with me either, but I'm just, I would say, look in that yourself. Uh, a king, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power that greatly affects this present evil world. First Corinthians 4.20 helps us to see this. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And this power is affecting the world you and I live in, and it's designed to do that. This kingdom is an immovable kingdom, which helps us to see its power. Hebrews 12, 28, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We're told this kingdom is the kingdom of Christ. It's triumphant even in the earth. Revelation 1, 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the Isle of Patmos. And then he tells us about how he received the testimony of Jesus, or he was there for the testimony of Jesus Christ. It says, companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of Jesus Christ is looked at as a multi-generational thing that has been taking place and it has been patiently leavening all of the, the world. Revelation eleven fifteen. the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. There's previous allusions of this chapter uh, about the two witnesses, which are said to be an olive tree and a golden candlestick, referencing back to Zechariah chapter 14. And it says there, these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Joshua was the high priest. Zerubbabel was the governor. They were the, the two candlesticks. And they were um, appointed by God, one to be the ecclesiastical minister, the spiritual minister, and one to be the civil one. So I think the sense of the passage too is God will have someone to control the ecclesiastical part and the civil part uh, of the world around us. And that is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Also Revelation 12, 10, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come strength or is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now, this could be talking about when Jesus Christ died on the cross. Cross. Many early commentators, however, uh, from around the Reformation and beyond, believe this to be talking about Christianity triumphing over the Roman Empire and ascending the throne through Constantine. Um, and there, there's curious things uh, about that where even the, the church attributed um, this portion of scripture to Constantine's uh, ascension there. I'd love to be able to read it. Uh, I don't know as if I have the time. I'm going to try. 
I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. In the same figure, Satan fell from heaven and was cast out into the earth. When he was thrust out of the imperial throne and his angels were cast out with him. Not only all the heathen priests and officers, civil and military were cashiered, but their uh, very gods and demons who before were adorned became the subjects of contempt and execration. It is very remarkable that Constantine himself and the Christians of this time described his conquests under the same image as if they had understood that this prophecy had received its accomplishment in him. Moreover, a picture of Constantine was set up over the palace gate with the cross over his head and under his feet, the great enemy of mankind who persecuted the church by the means of impious tyrants in the form of a dragon transfixed with a dart through the midst of his body and falling headlong into the depth of the sea. Uh, I'm just saying this is a curious uh, thing to, to look at. So instead of Rome totally snuffing out Christianity, the church persevered and overcame. The kingdom of God prevailed on earth, which is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So dear listener, I hope this helps you to understand on a, a very wide view what the kingdom of God is according to the scripture. It is not just a future kingdom. It is a now kingdom. This now kingdom is uh, has saints and sinners within it. And the special agents of this kingdom are the church of Jesus Christ. And through the church of Jesus Christ in this kingdom mixed with sinners and saints, the light of the gospel, the message of the kingdom is going forth and leavening this present time where, the, where saints and sinners are together. And this kingdom is set up to overtake the kingdom of darkness. May God help us to understand his word and then to live it out. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.